You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hoisty Colors Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Igo, the publisher of Hoisty Colors and the host of this podcast. And some significant news today, of course, coming down that the East Carolina and South Florida football game will not be played in Tampa as originally scheduled. It will be moved instead to Boca Raton, Florida. This, of course, due to Hurricane Ian bearing down on the west coast of Florida as it closes in on Tampa and just a lot of uncertainty in the area and it just made a lot of sense to move the game and kind of shows what a business college football is that here we are before the hurricane even hits but clearly if you want to play the game South Florida's got to need a way to practice you do that by leaving the city of Tampa before the hurricane hits moving it south which you know Boca Raton's still going to get some rain but not looking like it's going to be impacted quite anything like the Tampa area will. So USF loses a home game. We're going to talk about that with Will Turner of Bulls 24-7. Take an early look at USF and the game itself. Of course, uh, we, we talked to Will this afternoon. I'm recording this on on, Thursday, on Tuesday night, excuse me, and we, we recorded the interview with Will on Tuesday afternoon before the hurricane really hit the Tampa area. So keep that in mind as you listen to our interview. But certainly want to wish the Absolute best to everybody in Tampa uh, and the surrounding areas and in the storm's path. Of course, it could eventually make its way up the coast of uh, North Carolina and into our neck of the woods. So um, you always hate when these things come about. It makes kind of the football games seem so trivial, but we still have a job to do as far as preparing you guys for the game and coverage. So we'll get to that shortly with our conversation with Will Turner and this is a big game for both programs, and we'll dive more into it later this week. But ECU coming off a very disappointing loss to Navy. I think even with East Carolina's history against the midshipmen, most Pirate fans, if not all, expected to win that football game. Certainly the coaching staff and players did. It did not happen for a variety of reasons. 
most of which have been covered at this point. Some are still talking about it, still can't get over it. On the Hoist of Colors message board, understandably so, it was a frustrating loss, but the best thing ECU can do is go out and win this next football game and put the Navy game behind you. If you lose the second straight game as a pretty overwhelming favorite, ECU a nine and a half point favorite as of Tuesday night, uh, you're going to have a a lot more angry Pirate fans. You know, one loss like that is tough enough. You lose a second one, and all of a sudden, uh, the sky could be falling. So this is a big football game for ECU and a major bounce-back opportunity on the road in, in what should be, honestly, a pretty dead environment in Boca. So ECU is going to have to create its own energy. Mike Houston earlier today kind of compared it to likely what would be a 2020 COVID-type atmosphere when you only had so many fans allowed in the stands. ECU, of course, went to Raymond James Stadium that season and played USF and smacked them around pretty good. This will probably be even more of a dead atmosphere as the Pirates take on USF at a neutral site about four hours southeast of USF's campus. We'll see how many fans are there come the end of the week. And by the way, kickoff moved to 2.30, and so it will not be the 7 o'clock kickoff. That was originally scheduled. It will still be carried and televised on ESPN+, Plus, or at least that is the anticipation and what was said in the release. And we'll see. I guess it'll be FAU um, that helps with the broadcast as they are allowing ECU and USF to use their stadium. FAU, by the way, a future member of the American Athletic Conference, so we'll keep an eye on that and kind of the broadcast, and we'll let you know if anything changes the rest of the week. But that is the plan. We talked about what a big game this is for ECU, but USF, they're coming off back-to-back losses and really thought they should have beaten Florida on the road, turn around, laid an egg at Louisville, which we'll get into with Will here shortly, but really just a bad performance. They've had a ton of injuries early. They've had some guys underperform, and they're 1-3, which I think most South Florida fans probably expected. I mean, their schedule has been brutal. BYU, a top 25 team. At Florida, a top 25 team. And at Louisville, which is a talented team, as we know. Their only winnable game was Howard, and they won that game. Struggled a little bit, but got the win. But they're looking at this game as a chance to to kind of build on it. And, and really, if they win this game, have maybe a, a breakthrough season, so to speak, for Jeff Scott. So this is an important game for South Florida. They'll also likely be playing with plenty of motivation with the Hurricane. Um you know, coming through their area, and of course we hope and pray that nobody is affected too much by it, but the reality is with a natural disaster like this, you never know, so uh, you never know how either team is going to respond to it, so it's just a an odd situation to, to always have a sporting event kind of surrounding one of these things or after these things, so that's something that could play a role on Saturday as well. So East Carolina, South Florida, 2.30 on Saturday from Boca Raton. As of right now, not planning to make the trip down. I was scheduled to go to Tampa for the game, but you know, with the travel plans changing, likely not going to make it down to Boca. I just don't really want to get caught up in the, the travel, potential delayed, canceled flights, and it's just not really worth the, the I don't know, the hassle that it would be to schedule it last minute. So uh, still planning to go to New Orleans next week and, and the road games to follow, but right now likely going to cover this weekend's game from home and on TV, watching it like the rest of you guys. So uh, we'll get more into the South Florida Bulls with uh, from an ECU perspective later in the week. But right now, let's talk to the man himself, Will Turner, and preview this matchup between the Pirates and the Bulls from South Florida's perspective as well. First, let's take a quick break, and we will be 
uh, back with our interview with Will Turner. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right welcome back into the hoist of colors podcast i'm joined now by my counterpart with the usf site on the 24 7 sports network he is will turner bootstrap will turner he's a pirate at heart but he just happens to cover usf what's going on will What's up, brother? Yeah, it always uh, it always feels a little more uh, at home when you when when I'm co- covering USF ECU game week, man. It really does. Yeah, unfortunately, we we had all our our great plans for uh, a night out in Tampa this year, and that is not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> there's going to be no night out in Tampa. There's going to be no pirate ship in Raymond James Stadium for East Carolina to fill at home with because the game has been moved to Boca Raton FAU Stadium. Uh, Will, of course, the, the hurricane, you know, a serious hurricane bearing down on the west coast of Florida, going to hit the Tampa area. So first off, um, our wishes are with you, us in North Carolina, you guys in Florida, y'all. We all know too well about hurricanes. So um, I guess just from your your personal perspective, what was kind of your mindset getting ready for these next few days ahead of the game? Like you got a game to prepare for, but you also have to – you know, make sure everything goes okay yeah. around the home. Yeah, I mean, everything kind of takes a back seat, right? You know, uh, I, I really have been kind of focusing on the track of this hurricane more than anything else because, you know, we – Tampa has had a direct hit in, near, in, in over 100 years. So, uh, you know, it, it, it takes the perfect conditions, the perfect storm, if you will, uh, to, to come up the west coast of Florida just because – the storms that come up through the Atlantic and come, you know, straight across, those are the ones that kind of skirt the East coast of Florida, skirt the, you know, coast of the Carolinas. But uh, over here in Tampa, it's, it's got to go around the the peninsula 
and then it's got a curve at just the right point to get up into the west coast of Florida. So usually those things get ripped up by by Cuba, by by uh, Hispaniola. Um, so so usually those things get get torn up. But this one, since it started so south of everything, and it started south of Cuba, south of Jamaica. Um, it kind of had a little bit more of a, a, a of an easier time turning uh, towards us and kind of developed a little bit later. So uh, I'm no meteorologist by any sense of the word, uh, but, you know, it, it doesn't look good. Uh, the tracks have it kind of going a, a little bit, uh, at least this morning, a little bit more towards Sarasota. Um, at least that's what I've seen on the television. Looks like the Hurricane Center is is. Uh, is is kind of with that i mean i live in a in a small little uh uh suburb called valrico we're east of tampa about 30 minutes east so uh we're not really as concerned about storm surge but uh if you look at the national hurricane track if you look at where that h is at the 8 a.m thursday that's like right over my house so uh that's gonna be fun um but yeah everything takes a back seat man I, it, it's tough because like yeah you gotta do you it, it's it's got a game to prepare for on saturday but you also yeah. gotta like make sure your house doesn't fall apart yeah it's it's crazy man and um obviously the game won't be played in, in tampa for those reasons so it's it's being moved to boca raton and I, I believe last I talked to you, you, you're still planning to make the trip. So um, any idea when you'll head down there? And have you ever been to FAU Stadium before? No, so I've been to Boca Raton before. I haven't been to FAU Stadium. So this thing should be out of here. It should be in, in, in Georgia, maybe South Carolina by, by 8 a.m. Saturday. Uh, by the way, the track looks like it's kind of sped back up. It looked like it was going to stall. Really just depends on you know, how much, how much rain we get, if the power's out, I mean, I'll probably leave, probably leave Saturday morning in all honesty, uh, just because I just gotta, it's just one of those things you got to make sure you got, you got your house in order before you go down there. So, um, but yeah, probably Saturday morning, I should be down there. Um, that's the hope anyway, we'll see. Uh, I'm imagining the roads will be uh, will be pretty open, considering that folks will still probably be up north uh, that evacuated uh, pretty much through the weekend. Because I, I, I a lot of people wanted to go up towards the Carolinas, and that thing was going right for them. And I'm like, look, I'm going to Mobile, I'm going to the Panhandle, I'm going to New Orleans if I'm evacuating. But yeah, so the roads will be uh, roads should be easy going getting down there. We'll have to see uh, once once we get there. Yeah, 2.30 kickoff Eastern time now, the, the kickoff time instead of the original 7 o'clock uh, in, in Boca Raton. So note that time change for anybody looking to watch the game. Still going to be covered on ESPN Plus as far as that was announced. We'll see how that goes. Um, all right, let's talk about the game, Will. This USF team, 1-3, and three, ECU 2-2. Two and two, Both teams coming off a disappointing loss. And we'll start first with the USF perspective you know, watching the or following the end of the Florida game and trying to watch as much as I could, you know, not surprised USF put up a fight because they have a ton of Florida kids and obviously they're motivated for that game, but they had a chance to win the game. They weren't only in it. They legitimately had a chance to win it to the very end. And you look at that performance and everybody's kind of like, all right, maybe Jeff Scott, USF are figuring it out. And then unfortunately, I don't know if a step back is the right term for the Louisville game, but a 41-3 loss just – how do you kind of compare and contrast those two games and the feelings with them? 
Yeah. So the one thing that you could do if you were USF after that, you know, lost to Florida was, was lay an egg uh, against, against Louisville and uh, getting, you know, boat race by 38 on the road is about as close of a, a of laying an egg that you can. Um, you know, USF kicked, a, 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 as they say, uh, as the, the memers in our industry say, the sad field goal in the fourth quarter to, to, to keep the shutout uh, from happening. But Louisville honestly was the, it, almost kind of a fool's gold type of game, right, where, you know, USF, uh, came in having rushed for close to 300 yards against Florida. Louisville had a bottom 15 run defense. And, you know, you kind of went into that game thinking, okay, we should be able to run the ball. If, if I'm USF, you know, they should be able to run the ball pretty well. Um, you know, especially with what Brian Batsy did against, uh, against Florida, but Louisville did a great job of just stacking the box. I mean, stacking the box uh, looked like a lot of the, you know, stuff that USF wanted to do was, uh, especially, you know, in between the numbers was, was taken away. They rushed for 48 yards on 35 carries, which ain't good. It's not going to um, get it done. Yeah. 1.4 yards a carry. I mean, it, it, it's, it ain't good. So, um, you know, it, it, it seemed like the play calling went possibly could have gone right back into the um, you know, into the box, uh, cause they it looked like some, you know, out of the box concepts, uh, with the trick play, uh, that they had on a two point conversion on a, on a, on an end around, um, uh, and a wide receiver pass. So, uh, looked like all the imaginative and all the, you know, play calls that had done well against Florida went right back in the box, uh, against Louisville and never came back out. So, um, you know, there weren't a ton of outside runs. It was a lot of in between the tackles and a lot of a lot of Louisville blown up plays. The Cardinals had three sacks uh, of Gary Bohannon. Uh, the passing game never really got going, which it hasn't. Granted, USF was down three wide receivers, uh, but you know, it's it's tough. I, I kind of uh, it, it was just a tough performance all the way around. And really, really disappointing for a lot of folks around the program after what they did. Uh, against Florida the previous week. So I look at the South Florida offense and I see, like, when they added Gary Bohannon, I I thought that, all right, this team has a chance to be pretty scary offensively because you look at the running game, obviously Beatty is electric. They have some other good running backs. I remember ECU recruiting k Powell and also I remember Mangum, Michael Dukes, another guy ECU recruited. Yep. Uh, and then they haven't even had Kelly Joyner yet, I believe. So you got a good backfield. Uh Xavier Weaver returning at receiver. You got some other pieces, and you got a veteran offensive line. At least from from my perspective, like it could be a complete offense. Has it shown any flashes of that, or has Bohannon and just the group not lived up to expectations? The running game has shown plenty of flashes. I mean, without a doubt. I mean, you look at what they did against in the second half against Howard. You look at what they did against. Uh, uh, you look at what they what they did against Florida. The running game has showed plenty of flashes. They had plenty of design runs for Gary Bohannon uh, against Florida. He ran for over a hundred yards. It was just the second time in his career that he ran for over a hundred yards. Um, so, you know, plenty of opportunities for them to, to, to make waves in the running game, but the passing game has just not been there. And I don't know if it's a situation where, you know, they've had a lot of drops. I mean, without a doubt, you could say that they've had a ton of drops. Xavier Weaver has, 
um, you know, had some uh, some drops that just aren't like him through the first couple of games. He suited up but did not play against Louisville. Um, Jimmy Horn, he's been overthrown, which he's a 4-2-5, 4-3 guy. Like, I don't know how you're overthrowing your fastest receiver on the field, but um, again, I never played football, so so what do I know? Um, but, uh, you know, the Horn got overthrown a couple of times. The Joe, Joe has been hurt for the last two games. He was a Clemson transfer that they were kind of hoping would, would manifest into something really good. Uh, Chaffrey Brown has just been underused. Um, Marion Dollison, who's horns back up in the slot, um, has been overthrown again. Another four, three, four, four type of guy that's just getting overthrown for whatever reason. Um, you know, uh, a, a couple of drops here and there, and it's just not, it's just not clicked. Some of those long plays that they've been dependent on that they'll take a shot on first down to get away from the running game, just have it clicked. And that's causing, uh, we saw it last week that causes Louisville to want to stack the box because USF has no vertical threat right now. So, um, you know, obviously it's fundamental football. The run sets up the pass pass keeps them honest for the running game to work. We, we, you know, any football fan knows that. So USF just has to get back to playing that complimentary football like they did against Florida. Um, you know, whether it comes this week, it, who knows? It just depends on what USF has available personnel wise, because uh, the other thing was you had guys that uh, really just hadn't played a whole lot of ball before use of Terry, uh, who is a Baylor transfer the year before Bohannon had gotten in. He came in last year. I mean, he, I believe the four catches for 38 yards was probably a career high for, for in both, both categories. If I remember right. Uh, if I, if I look at it correctly, you know, he, he didn't really catch much uh, last year. He didn't really play much uh, last year. He had six catches for 62 yards last year. Uh, so he's already like halfway, uh, more than halfway of his receiving total from a year ago and nearly halfway in his yardage total in one game. So, uh, you know, Yusuf Terry was used a lot. Dollison was used a lot of the slot. Sean Atkins is a former walk-on that's playing slot in between uh, with Horn being out, Garrett Reynolds a walk on from Lake Wales. Like Holden Willis got a lot of time at the X receiver with a Joe and and Weaver out. He's he hasn't played a whole lot of ball, and he was a tight end coming out of high school. I mean, the receiving game is just so thin right now. Um, it's hard to get the pass game going because of it. Bob Shoup comes in as new defensive coordinator, and they brought in a ton of guys, new guys from the portal on defense as well. You know, looking at the tackles list and some of these stats, like I recognize Dwayne Boyles, I recognize Antonio Greer, two really good linebackers, recognize some of the DBs. How has the defense been thus far? Well, uh, we've seen some, we've seen some really good stretches, and then we've seen some really, really, really bad stretches. Uh, they gave up 542 yards of offense to Louisville, 283 on the ground. Um, you know, and, and I understand Malik Cunningham is, is an elite, uh, quarterback in terms of elusiveness, uh, you know, very Lamar Jackson esque, uh, obviously M Lamar is in a whole different, you know, stratosphere than, than Malik, the Malik is, but still Malik's pretty good in his own, in his own right. So, um, you know, for, for, for that defense, they had a really good stretch of the second half to start the second half against Florida. They had two interceptions of Anthony Richardson and two three and outs and four straight drives. That's the best I've seen that defense play in a long time, whether it was under Glenn Spencer 
or Bob shoot. Um, and that's kind of right. What we talked about you know, building off a productive, you know, outing at Florida, especially in the second half that they just didn't do. So uh, against Louisville. So, um, you know, they've had a lot of misalignment issues uh, that showed up in game one against BYU showed up a little bit in game two against Howard. Um, they lined up wrong, you know, uh, just a couple guys, you know, maybe a few steps more towards the, uh, towards the short side of the field and, and, and the BYU wide receiver probably does it go for 75 on the first play. Um, Howard, same, same, same concept, just guys out of line. They've missed, they've missed a, a, a healthy amount of tackles. Looks like guys are just kind of going for shoestrings and wanting to lay a shoulder into guys instead of actually wrapping up. Um, they've had, uh, you know, difficulties uh, with, with dealing with tempo. We saw that against BYU, which, uh, is a team that doesn't normally run tempo, but when they did, they were very effective with it. Uh, Louisville was very effective with their tempo offense uh, last week um, at Cardinal Stadium. So they've had a they've had a, a, a myriad of issues. Um, you know, I, I don't think we've really seen what that defense could be. They've racked up, you know, plenty of tackles for losses and sacks, which is supposed to be the hallmark of this defense. So credit to them for that. They had five tackles for loss. Uh, against Louisville in a sack um, you know they're I, I'd say they're probably through four games maybe already halfway to their season totals a year ago under Glenn Spencer because I mean they were they were bottom 10 in the country I think they might have been tied for last at sacks with like Vanderbilt last year uh, which is a team that you never want to be uh, associated with in any sense of the word um, you know so so they uh, you know they've they've struggled you know giving up yards that hasn't changed um, you know, from this year to last year, uh, they've gotten better in some aspects, but it's just still not as consistent as it needs to be uh, for it to be, uh, you know, at the standard that it, it, it frankly needs to be at. Last question for you, Will. Jeff Scott in his third year at USF. Um, one FBS win, I believe, over Temple last year. They've been close on others. They played ECU well last year in Greenville until the fourth quarter. Four and twenty-one overall, one and fourteen in conference play. Like the numbers don't look good on paper, but I think for those outside the program, need to realize what he took over. It was uh, not a good situation. You know, as you look at his tenure, first off, th- I think this weekend's game is very important. I think you know the upcoming schedule in the American is important because there are some potential games that are wins. But you look at Jeff Scott, third year. Like, when does he need to start having those wins to kind of maybe show the progress that USF fans want to see? Uh, it starts this week. It, it starts this week. I mean, that's just the long and short of it. Um, the rational USF fans thought, and, and rationally speaking, I had an upset over BYU week one, um, you know, just uh, when I filled out my, my conference ballot, just because – it just felt like there was a lot working against BYU and for USF. So I, so I just, I had that BYU upset there. Um, but realistically, this team was going to go one and three in September. Um, you know, with, with BYU, who's a top 25 team, Florida, who's maybe, you know, a top 30, 35 team. Um, and then Louisville, who, you know, uh, that game's just kind of a wash at that point my, in my mind. Um so a lot more realistic, you know, f- folks thought it would be one and three, which is where they're at. Um, a lot of uh, ECU was going to be the first test of what uh, the first real test, excuse me, for this team. I think that, uh, 
you know, as we get into conference play, I, you know, I, I think ECU is, is, um, you know, a much improved team. I know, uh, obviously the loss to Navy doesn't really help the spirit of pirate fans, but again, I, I think you and I both agree. There are a couple of plays away, maybe a competent kicker away, uh, from, from being four and with a win over NC state, um, in the, in the back pocket. So, you know, I, I, I think, I think the ZCU team is, is, is very underrated for what folks down in Tampa are giving them credit for. Um, you know, I, I, I think I had ECU maybe fourth. Uh, I think I had a fourth on my, on my preseason ballot. Um, you know, Holt Naylor's is going to give them a chance to win every single week, whether you like that, whether you like the guy or not. Um, you know, I, I, I think he's been a very good quarterback. Uh, again, a, a better quarterback than people have given him credit for uh, down here in Tampa. Um, people see this, the all-time series, and they're like, yeah, it's, it's, it's lopsided. We should be beating this team every year. But ECU has taken a lot of steps to, to be competent. So from the start of this year, especially with ECU winning the last two, two, two uh, you know, games in this series, I just haven't – I'm not convinced that, that, that this was a win ever on the schedule for USF just because of, of, of ECU uh, in their recent history. So, um, you know, with that being said – uh, Jeff Scott's got to, I mean, he's got to get to four wins. I mean, somehow, some way, I mean, you, you went two and 10 last year. Um, I understand that you had the cards, you know, uh, you, you have a lot of injuries and that, you know, you're playing now at, at, at Boca Raton for this one in a, you know, in a, in a little bit of a neutral site. I mean, but uh, you've got Tulane, which I don't, I know they beat Kansas state, which just beat Oklahoma, but I don't know if Tulane is, is, is as good as people think. Same thing with with uh, obviously, um, you know, SMU had a had a November meltdown last year. So who's to say they can't have that again? I think Tulsa is winnable uh, for this team, but you've got to find a way to get to four wins. Um, and again, even Temple's not necessarily a give me because USF has never won in Philadelphia uh, and they got to go up there. So it's hard. It's hard to find wins on the schedule. I think you could you could justify some games. Um, maybe you pull off that road upset that you. Uh, that, that you've been looking for so, for so long. Maybe you win that road game that you've been looking for for so long, but uh, they have got to win games because, uh, honestly, the, the seat with the fan base is only going to get hotter. Um, you know, the fan base is already kind of fed up uh, with, with, with what's going on. Um, obviously, as you said, just one FBS win in the past three seasons. It's not good ops. Um you know, it, 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 I don't think there's going to be a midseason move made, but, you know, at the end of the season, they're going to have, they're going to, uh, this administration and the staff uh, is going to have a, a real long look in the mirror. Uh, you know, uh, if, if this doesn't get turned around uh, this season. He is Will Turner with 24 7 Sports, Bulls 24 7. Will, uh, you're going to have to carry the torch this weekend in Boca Raton if you can make it down there for, for us. I, I'm, Looking like I'm not going to be able to make it, but uh, either way, man, I'm sure we'll be texting and, you know, whatever crazy stuff goes on in the field, we'll, we'll talk about it. So uh, I appreciate your your time on the program. Yeah, man, it's always fun to uh, – it's always fun to, to get to work with you at least one week a year and then our, our couple of basketball games. I know we uh, – uh, you know, we, we keep in touch uh, pretty well uh, throughout the, you know, season. If, and, and for the, the hoist colors fans listening, man, if it wasn't, if it wasn't for Igo, uh, I would have done, I would have probably torn my hair out. I would have probably quit my job. 
I would have, I would have probably, I would have, I would have gone off the rails because, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes in our industry, as we learn, uh, it's not all, it's not all butterflies or rainbows that I go is, I go is, is, has helped me stay level-headed and given me, uh, plenty of guidance and, and, uh, and I'm thankful for, for, for it all, but East Carolina fans, I'll tell you this every single day of the week, you got a special one covering y'all. I appreciate that, man. Well, you do a hell of a job for bulls 24 seven and, Hope your your guys start to win some games in football, so you can have some more uh, have some more fans jump on board and everything, man. I know you work your ass off, so appreciate everything, man. But uh, thanks again for joining the podcast. Yes, sir. Appreciate you having me. Thanks again to Will Turner for his insight on the South Florida program, and also I appreciate all his kind words and his help. You know, I feel like he's he's interacted with East Carolina fans quite a bit since. South Florida, ever since he started covering South Florida and in between these ECU and USF matchups. And I know he, he's always enjoyed his trips to Greenville. He enjoys interacting with the Pirate fan base, and I think he does a great job with the USF site. So definitely check out his work, some of his opinions throughout Saturday's game, assuming he can get down there. And again, hopefully everything goes well with Will and his family and all his close ones as this storm approaches on the west coast of Florida. All right. That'll do it for this edition of the Hoist of Colors podcast. Just wanted to take a quick look at USF and bring you the news that, of course, the game is shifting from Tampa to Boca Raton. As the week continues, we will continue to look into this matchup, have more of an in-depth breakdown of some of the personnel, matchups to watch, that sort of stuff. We'll also have our picks to click and a prediction as well. But for now, that'll do it for the Hoist of Colors podcast. We'll be back with you guys later this week. Give it a couple days as, as Saturday closes in. Appreciate you guys listening to the HTC podcast. We'll talk to you next time.